0: So today I am so, so excited. We are starting a new series, so if this is your first Sunday, or if this is your first Sunday in a while, what a great Sunday to be here. Uh, it's February, which again, it really is crazy how, I don't know that I've ever had a month that has felt longer in my life than this January. Just what a weird, weird month. But February is a fun month because oftentimes uh, in, in the church, and oftentimes just in general, we kind of use this as the love month. You know, it's, it's Valentine's Day is coming up. Guys, if you don't remember that, I want you to go ahead and take your phones out. There's this great thing that I like to do with important dates. Put alarms in your phone. Let them know a month out, two weeks out, five, five minutes beforehand. Genius. I don't know how many times I've almost missed birthdays and things like that. Not for my lovely wife. But for other people, just just do it. Uh, but Valentine's Day is coming up. Also, I'd love to always remind you that if they say that they don't want a gift for Valentine's Day, it's a trap. Do at least something little, okay? It's your opportunity. Don't, don't buy into that. Um, but we're not going to talk about romantic love here this month. We're not going to talk about relationships in uh, that sort of standpoint. Instead, I am so excited to talk about something uh, through this series that we're calling The Heart of the Father. You know, it's incredibly interesting. Jesus refers to God as his father over a hundred times throughout the different gospels. It's his favorite way. When he refers to God, he doesn't typically say God. He doesn't say Yahweh, which would have been the, uh, the word that the Israelites typically would have used. But he almost always calls him father. And I'm really excited to explore this idea of love from the standpoint of how much our father loves us. And I want to look at this idea of this relationship that we have with our Father and what that means and, and what that should take us to. But it's interesting how um, we end up kind of uh, becoming like people we spend time with, right? You ever notice that? You know, I think they say the five people you spend the most time with in your life are the people you become. And, uh, and we'll get into to some of that in a minute. But any of you guys willing to admit that you are like one of your parents? I'll admit it. You know, there's over time, there are things that whether we mean to or not, we begin to become like our parents, right? There are phrases they say that we said we would never say that we begin to say. There are mannerisms. There's the way we sit, the way we stand, the way we blow our nose, weird things that end up happening that we end up picking up from them. And it's really interesting, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But if you have a Bible this morning, we're going, to, we're going to start in the Old Testament and work our way to the New Testament. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the entire Old Testament, all, the entire New Testament. You'll be able to make it to your Super Bowl parties, don't worry. But if you have a Bible, you can open up to Ezekiel chapter 36. And, and what I want to do this morning, this this morning's message is going to be different than any of the other messages. The whole concept of this series, if you miss out on anything, is this idea that we want to understand God's heart for us, the Father's heart for his children. And not only that, we want to understand what that means for us in terms of our interaction with the rest of God's children. Okay? So this morning we're 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 going to start talking about God giving us a new heart. We're going to talk about what that means for our heart, but then we're going to come back to how much God loves us, okay? So, uh track with me, okay? Uh Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, this comes from uh, the, the Message Translation, which is a paraphrased version of the Bible, but sometimes it's really great, uh, especially in the Old Testament, to get a uh, little bit more of an easy read. But I love what they say here. Uh, this is God talking to uh, the people, and he's talking about this idea of how the people have been separated from him, they've been unfaithful, and what he wants to do. He has some new promises. He says, I will pour pure water over you and scrub you clean. I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's, God, that's God-willed, that's God not self-willed. I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. Now, even when we go to the Old Testament, long before Jesus uh, shows up physically here on earth, God has been talking to his people about a heart transplant. He's been talking to them about this concept that he has this desire to take what heart we have. And heart, honestly, it it's, it's kind of funny, really. Uh, heart, when it's talked about in Scripture, is almost exclusively always talking about kind of our soul. And even when I say soul, then it's like, well, what's a soul? You know, it really has to do with this idea of sort of our being. Because whether you know it or not, right, all of our bodies will fail us and pass away someday, Right? But we know that there's more to us than that. There's, there's our soul, there's our spirit, there's, there's that intrinsic part of who we are. That, 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 that personally I believe, since God said that we are created in His image, I don't, I don't think that personally means that like, alright, we have God's eyes. I don't think that means like, we have His nose or, you know, we have the same type of hair as Him. What I really think that means is I think there's something about the, the, the soul inside of us that is similar to who God is. I believe there's something inside of us that has created us, this yearning, this longing to be in a relationship different than any other being on this world. And so in Ezekiel, there's this beautiful promise of giving a new heart. And there's this reality that when, when we decide to follow Jesus, when we decide to put our trust in him, he wants to give us a new heart. He doesn't want us to have a, a stone one. He doesn't want one that's about us, but he wants to give us a heart that becomes different about others. Now... In Isaiah chapter 61, we get this beautiful view of what that will look like. Because it begins to tell us about who Jesus is. One of my favorite things about reading the Old Testament is reading the prophecies about Jesus. What's amazing is all the prophecies that we find in the Old Testament about the Messiah, about the one who would come and deliver the people, all of them come true. In Isaiah 61, there's just this beautiful verse I want to read to you about this idea of Jesus and why he is being sent. And if you want to understand the heart of the Father, look at the heart of Jesus. Look at the mission of Jesus. Look at the actions of Jesus. And this is what it says. This is the NIV. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has, appoint, has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, I also love this. Read this. This, this, is, this isn't going to be up on the screen, but just listen to these words. This is the Messages version of that. The Spirit... Of God, the Master is on me because God has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, announce freedom to all captives, to pardon all prisoners. God has sent me to announce the year of His grace, a celebration of God's destruction of our enemies and comfort to all who mourns. I love this imagery. I love this imagery of Jesus has been sent to set us free. He's been sent To bring light into the dark places. He's been sent to bind up those of us who have been broken. He's been sent to proclaim that the enemies against us have been destroyed. And the enemies, he's not talking about here in a physical standpoint. He's talking about the spiritual enemies. I love that. Do you know why? Because whether we like it or not, we all fit in that, right? All of us have experienced brokenness. All of us have experienced heartbreak. All of us have have been captive to something. Maybe not physically, but all of us have been a slave to sin at some point. We've been a slave to something that leaves us empty, leaves us hurting. And so here's the beautiful truth. And I feel so funny because lately I feel like God has just been saying, Aaron... Let's let's talk at a, I, I love the office, if anyone else loves the office, there's a great scene in the office where uh, the boss has the accountant come in, the accountant is trying to explain some figures to him, and he, he says it in a pretty basic way, and then he says, could, could you maybe explain it more like a five-year-old would, would it understand it? And sometimes I think we, we, we make things that are complex too complex, and we miss in the complexities the simple beauty of this is whether you know it or not, whether you believe you deserve it or not, Jesus was sent for you. Jesus was sent for you. Not some sort of um, already perfect person. Not for person who has it all together. Not for the person who is standing in the light, but for the person who's in the darkness. For the person who feels broken. For the person who just feels like all hope is lost. And I know what you're thinking. Wow, Aaron! I got out in this heat wave. I could have just melted in this heat to hear that. But it's true. Jesus was sent for you and for me. And that in itself is mind-blowing enough to me that I could just end there if I wanted to. Because when I think about it, man, I'm not worthy. I'm not perfect. and I still mess up. He, He knew all that. He knew that. I mean, that's... That is a crazy amount of love that God would love the whole world that he'd sent as one and only son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. That's mind-blowing. So if Jesus was sent for us and if we buy into that concept and we buy into this idea that we should follow him, that we want to live for him, that we want to make him the Lord of our life, here's something that, that, is, that, is, that is not negotiable. I believe that then if our heart becomes aligned with God's. If our heart becomes to begin to look like the Father's heart, that our hearts need to break for what breaks the Father's heart. Think about that. If it breaks the God's heart, it should break our heart. Now, we could spend almost eternity talking about Some of the different things that break God's heart. One of my hopes in this series that we're going to do a little bit more over the coming weeks is we're going to look at some specific things. And it's not because the things we're going to look at are more important than other things. They just felt like they they fit at the moment. Uh, But we're going to be looking specifically at some things that we believe in our community and our world that break the heart of the Father. And not only that, we're going to look at it from the way of exposing ourselves. Not, and don't worry, it's not like you're going to come and just be like, wow, in February we're going to be depressed. So let's come on in and feel really bad about everything going on in the world. No, my, my, the exciting thing about this series, in my opinion, especially on the coming weeks, is I believe that we're going to be filled with hope. That our hearts are going to be broken and compelled to move. But we're not going to move as people who are defeated, but we're going to be moving as people who are already standing in victory who realize that we once were lost, but now are found. We once were broken, but we've been restored. And we're going to go into the world, and we're going to fight against some of the injustices, some of the big epidemics happening in our world that break the heart of the Father that should also break ours. We're going to get to that in some coming weeks. But but it's it's, it's interesting. Like I said before, it's, it's funny how we pick up different mannerisms uh, along the way from our parents. Um, I don't know how many times I've said things. I'm like, dang it, I'm my dad. Uh, I don't know how many times I've lost my temper and I'm like, Jeannie Perry, what is going on? I don't know how many times I'll call my wife out on different things too where I'll like literally be like, I'll say her name like, hello Shelly, it's great to see you today. Or David, wow, that was a nice little thing for you to do. It's funny, we all do those, right? We, 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 we both hate it and love it. But it's true because there are, there are things that I believe happen, uh, when it comes especially towards things like parenting, uh, the difference between what is caught and what is taught. Now, teaching are things like uh, when I tell my son, uh, "Please do not pee on the floor; we pee in the potty." That's that is something that is definitely taught. But uh, when he is a weirdo and likes to invade in my privacy and is watching me pee, uh, and it makes me feel very uncomfortable, that's caught, right? He's seeing what's happening. It's the reason why there are things that maybe we tell our kids to do something, but they do the opposite, and oftentimes, what is some of the times the response? Well, you did it. Right, we tell them to, uh, to to not lose our temper, to not throw things, and sometimes their response back, which can really kill you, is, "Well, I saw you do it." It's the fear where, let's be honest, how many how many of you guys every week? This is this happens in my family too. We're always nervous. Like, what is my kid going to say in nursery today that's going to make all the volunteers question what's going on in my household? I'm waiting for the day where someone's like, "Did you hear sure what the pastor's kid said today? Talking about like some gang stuff, like he's part of a gang." But it's because whether we like it or not, the good, the bad, and the weird, our, our kids pick up on, don't they? Now, the good news is the heart of the father is pure. And let me just say up front, I know that some of us have father wounds. Some of us have been deeply hurt by our dads, maybe even our moms as well, because either they said something that was just so unloving, they never told, the, told you that you were loved or that they were proud of you, they just weren't even in the picture. And let me say this morning, let me say as we dive into this series that in the midst of your pain, God sees you and he sits with you and he says, I love you. There's nothing that he can say to to take away those things other than the fact that, that he is, as we sang this morning, a good, good father. That he can't replace that void in your life that your heart yearns for from that parental love. But on the same way, He also says, listen, my love, it covers over a multitude of sin. It covers over your sin, and it covers over the sin that has been committed upon you. And may you know that your identity as my son, as my daughter, will always trump any sort of thing that you have here on earth. It doesn't change it. It doesn't minimize it. But would you know that God sees your pain? But he also says, let me hold you. Let me hold you. You see, when we give our heart to the Father, our heart should eventually become like His. That's just a reality. If you want to look at how you're doing in your growth as a follower of Jesus, the question isn't, how much of the Bible have you read? How many scriptures do you have memorized? It's not how many hours did you serve, how much money did you give, but truly, anything that we read about in a standpoint of judgment when it comes to the Father. is how did we treat and love others? That's the thing that God cares about the most. Those other things are important. Those other things are good. But it's all about how have you loved my children? Now, I said before, Jesus almost always refers to himself, or refers to God as his Father. He almost always does it. And obviously we have moments in Scripture where where the big booming voice of God comes down and says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. What's also interesting is, did you guys know that Jesus primarily refers to himself as the son of man? It's not like he's like walking around all the time like, yo, I'm the Christ. I'm the Messiah. Call me DJJC. No. The vast majority of time, he refers to himself as the Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man is, is, is this, this, um, this throwback to the book of Daniel. Now, if you've ever read the book of Daniel, the first part of Daniel is super interesting. You hear lots of great principles about integrity and standing up for what you believe in. You know, if you keep reading, then you get into some really weird things that feels like a weird acid trip, where you hear about all sorts of like unicorn-like beast animals uh, in there. Uh, but it talks about in there... This idea of this son of man who will someday come and will defeat all of those beasts, all those regimes, all those things. And it's this pointing to the Messiah. Now Jesus, though, I think it's incredibly interesting, incredibly important. He doesn't just refer to himself to fulfill those prophecies, to make it known that he is the one who will come there. But I truly think there's so much about the calling that out to constantly remind himself of his identity as a son Of the most high God. Because I have to think. During all the things that he went through. Through the betrayals. Through all those sort of things. He almost had to make sure that he had the proper identity. You know what I've, I've been really challenged upon in the last year or so. Almost all of my problems. My issues. My hang ups. My internal battles. Have very little to do with external factors. And almost all of them are an internal battle. And almost all of them have to do with a misunderstanding of my identity. Because sometimes I want to make myself my identity being dad. I want my identity to all be about being a husband. I want my identity to all be about being a pastor. And truly, all of those things are good. All of those things are a gift from God. But there's this reality that I feel like so often when I'm spending time in prayer. God literally just wants to shake me and says, Aaron, you start first with Aaron, son of God. The rest is just gravy. And the other things are important, but they don't make me love you anymore that's not what it's about. You know it's interesting Jesus tells tons of parables I'm not going to get into all of them now but he 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 tells a story about how how much god loves and provides for his children. He talks about how if if a father if his son asks him for a loaf of bread he's not going to give him a stone or if he asks him uh, uh, for 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 a new tunic he's not going to give him a snake he's going to give him good gifts. We realize that the heart of the Father is to love us and take care of us. We find this reality, too, that at the end of the day, the most important thing that he cares about is being in right relationship with us. There's this amazing story where uh, a man who's been paralyzed is brought before Jesus. And before Jesus even thinks about healing him physically, all he proclaims to him is that your sins have been forgiven. Now, he goes on to heal him, but why does he do that? He does that because he realizes that our physical things that are happening in our life, they're wholly important. Does God care about our well-being? Yes. Does he care about our health? Yes, he cares about all of those things. But it's this reality of this importance that our our soul, our eternal value, our our, our standing in good, standing in relationship with God the Father is more important than anything else. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money we have doesn't matter the status we proclaim in this world. At the end of the day, all that really matters is being a son and daughter of the Most High God. But again, all of those things propel us out to important things. Now, if you have a Bible, you can open back up to uh, Romans. And, and we're going to camp out just quickly in Romans. And at the end, uh, I'm really excited here. Uh, we're going to go quickly through these verses. Uh, I have a guest who's going to come up. And uh, I, I just feel like I need to... Need need to do something that maybe will help some of us seeing a visual representation. Uh, In Romans chapter 5, Paul is writing, and Paul does some great work here, some great theology, some understanding God and our relationship with him. And and, and this is what he talks about. This is the heart of the Father. He says this, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that right there is just groundbreaking to me. It's not even like he's thinking like the, 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 you know, we, we just did this series on a fixer-upper. It's not like this, while I'm sitting here thinking about what you could be, I died for you. It's while you were still a sinner, while you were an enemy of God, while you were unfaithful, dirty, and broken. He still saw so much in you. He still loved you so much that he was willing to sacrifice his son for you. I mean, that is just a crazy, incredible thought to me that the God of all the universe who places the stars in the sky that God loved me loved you at my worst that's incredible he goes on in, in Romans chapter 8 and he, he, he reminds us of this this is such a beautiful imagery to me that the spirit you received does not make you a slave man I don't know about you, but I, I've been a slave to things before. I've been a slave to lust, been a slave to pride, been a slave to worry and fear. Man, it's it's still easy to become a slave to something, something that just consumes you and robs you of joy and peace. He says, the spirit you received, it does not make you a slave, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought you about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Man, I love that. I love this beautiful imagery of of an adoption too the end of this month we're going to talk about just the importance, the idea of orphan care. And you're going to hear more about that and it's going to be really cool. But I oftentimes think about that. God's love isn't just because he created us. God's love is something that he has chosen. He has chosen you. Not not at your best. Not in a convenient way. Not in a way in which you're going to be faithful. He chose you. And, and, and the imagery that he, the, the words that he uses is great. Many of you guys know this, but Abba was, was this deeply personal, intimate Word it's like saying data Like saying papa, it's not just father It's daddy And there's just a beautiful imagery of this idea that the spirit who's been put inside of us the new life that we have Has made us sons and daughters Not because of anything we could do not because of anything that we 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 could earn but surely because he loves us And then in Romans, continue on in Romans 8, verses 38 through 39, Paul just says this, he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor by any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus for our Lord. I love that. There is nothing That can separate God's love from you. There's nothing you can do that will ever be to this place where God says, all right, that's it. I wash my hands of you. I can't do anything with you. Even at our worst, when we feel like we are at an unforgivable place, there is nothing that you could do that would make God love you any less. Man, does he invite us to something cool. My friends, if I could just simply surmise the whole Bible is just this, that God's heart longs to be with you. God's heart longs to be with you. The entire story of Scripture is just a God who longs to be in relationship with his children again. A father who deeply and desperately wants his children to be home. And he just wants to be with them. Because he's a good father. Because he loves you. I want to invite a friend out here in just a moment. But I need to get something set up real quick. In my house, we have been nesting lately. My wife is due on February 26th. Which is crazy. And uh, as many of you guys heard, uh, my wife put up the... Uh, um, the initials, and I uh, would love to confirm the rumors that, yes, my next son's uh, initials are SDP, Snoop Dogg Perry, uh, or Shizzle. Um, and I'm really, really excited about that. But we've been really loving and enjoying just kind of soaking in the last moments with with my son, Gideon. And, um, you know, I thought, I'm, I've been pretty busy lately, and so if it's okay, I, I wanted to just take a moment to have a special Time with my son, and um, Gideon, are you there? Come here, Bub. You, hi, Bub. You want some donuts? Yeah. Do you love donuts? Can you say hi? I got a gecko shirt. You got a gecko shirt on. How many? Anyone else PJ Mass fans out there? All right, sit down, Bud. There's some donuts. Okay, can I sit too? Here, you want me to scoot you in? Okay. So this is Gideon. Gideon is going to be, are you going to be a big brother? Are you excited? Good. Yeah, it's okay. Go ahead and eat one. Can I have one too? Yeah? Here. Cheers. Oh, oh, sorry. I won't really eat it. So I borrowed this table from the children's ministry, so hopefully they don't need it. I'm sorry, Megan, if you can hear me. I would have loved to bring my home my home table. We were gifted uh, by Hunter's dad a beautiful farm table. Uh, we love it. It has a it has a couple chairs around it. It has a bench we can sit at. And if you were to come to our table, you would see where Gideon sits very easily, because there is a a a, a multiple layers of crusting of yogurt and guacamole. Do you like guac? Yeah. You would find where there is marker that has been upon it. Oh, you want me to take that? Okay, I got it. You would find so many things of just kind of disgustingness, right? Let's be honest. When you have a toddler, there can just be so much stuff. And Gideon here is going to be three soon. And and uh man, I love him so much. I'll never forget the first time I got to hold him. When he was born in the hospital and they just passed him off to me. I Everyone always talked about just this like, when you become a dad, you just can't understand it. But it was that moment, and I and I totally think it it it's more than just this. I created you, because I think no matter what, being a parent is a choice. No matter what, there's this choice that you make. But there's something that you see that you just couldn't even imagine. And I just remember that. But but can I be honest with you guys about something? Um, Gideon, while he does many great things, um, you know, he he probably makes more messes than he cleans up. It's pretty safe to say. Uh, He probably breaks more things than the average two year old. That's probably true, right? We've broken some of our guys, haven't we? (laughs) Pleading the fifth. Gideon doesn't really do a lot of chores at home yet. I mean, To be honest, I was kind of frustrated that I thought he would shovel with me, but he did not. You know, to be honest, Gideon has rocked our life. I've never slept less in my life than since I became a dad. I've never not showered as much. Well, I guess maybe college, but I'm sorry to my coworkers. There has been so much of my life that has been just different. Different times where, honestly, man, woof. But you know what? Gideon gets to sit at my table. And the reason he gets to sit at my table is because he's my son. And I love him. And it's not about the messes he makes. It's not about the things he can do or can't do. It's not about the future things he may be able to do. But he simply gets to be in my house and sit at my table. Because he's my son and I'm his dad. And I love him so much. And my love isn't dependent upon whether he can make anything good happen. It's not dependent upon whether or not he doesn't make a mess. But it's sheerly dependent upon the fact that I just deeply, deeply love him. He's my son. And this morning, some of us just need to know that you are invited to sit at the table with your heavenly father. And it's not because of anything you could do. It's not because you're good enough. Nor are you not invited because you're too bad but you were invited to your father's table because he is your father. You are his son, you are his daughter, and he loves you. Nothing less, nothing more. And it's just because he is super, super good. The band's going to come back up and they're going to close out with one more song. Thanks, bud. You want to sit with me? You want to get down? You want to go with mommy? Here, will you, will you wait up here with me? I love you. Did you know that? You love donuts, don't you? I don't know how many times at night we pray, and I think he's going to say something like, for daddy, or I love you, and he'll pray for like, thank you for pizza, and fry fries, and ice cream. My hope is that this is a good picture for you to keep in your mind. That when you feel down, when you feel like you're not enough, when you feel like temptation is just crawling in, when the world is crumbling, would you maybe take a moment and sit at the table with your Heavenly Father? Maybe eat a donut too, you know, it's breaking bread. And maybe when you feel down, maybe you just need your dad to hold you. Because you're scared Because there's a bunch of people staring at you But may you know That you are deeply loved by your heavenly father And may that love Leak out Into the rest of this world Because one of the fun things is going to be Is I think Gideon knows that daddy loves him Do you know daddy loves you? Yeah Is going to be this understanding that Daddy's going to love brother too And it's going to be different But the same going to be different but the same. It's going to be that same love that He, he, though He is about to make my life crazy, this next baby. That there's going to be even less sleep, even less privacy. There's going to just be more chaos. I probably am going to have gray hair soon, or no hair. But still, I'll love Him because He's my Son and I'm His Father. And He will always be invited to my table. He will always be able to and my hope is that Gideon's going to be able to remind him of that. He's going to share that love too. You might lick him. It's kind of like greeting your brother with a holy kiss. My hope is that if you've never taken up on the invitation to come sit at your father's table, if you've never really truly given your life to, to Jesus, I hope and pray that you know that he was sent here for you. He was sent here to to bind up your broken heart, to set you free from the things that enslave you, and to help make a way for you to get home to your father's house and sit at your father's table. Want to go to mom? Wherever you're at this morning, don't miss that opportunity, and don't miss this moment. I'm going to ask you guys to stand as we're going to sing one last song. And during this time, you do what you need to do. If you need to grab a friend and ask them to pray with you, do that. If you need to uh, sing along, if you need to just listen to the words, whatever it is, would you just not leave this place today not understanding, not knowing, not proclaiming that you are a child of God. Deeply and dearly loved, not for the things that you do, not for the things that you can't do, not for your faithfulness or your unfaithfulness, but surely. Because your father is a good father, and he deeply loves you, because you are his son, you are his daughter—nothing less and nothing more. Let's pray. God, it overwhelms me, and when I think about how much I love my son, then I would—I would hurt people for him. I would do anything to make sure he is safe. And God, I think about how much you love us, that you are willing to do whatever it takes by sending your son Jesus into this world so that there could be a way that we could be restored to you. God, I just thank you so much for Jesus. God, I thank you that because of him, God, he has made a way. He is the way for us back to good relationship with you. God, you give us good things. You wish only good of us. God, this morning I pray that maybe if there's someone in this room, God, God, maybe they've never known relationship with you. Maybe, man, there's been so many wounds in their life, it's just hard to believe. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that any voices of condemnation, God, that any voices that say that they are anything other than a son or a daughter, that those voices would be silenced, that they would hear only the voice of Jesus calling us to come with him So that someday we could dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, I pray that for some of us maybe, God, who have walked away, God, we have, we have experienced brokenness. God, we've, we've, we've allowed ourselves to become enslaved again. That God, maybe this is our moment to like the prodigal son walk back home. To come sit at our father's table and know that we are loved. Not for anything we could do, not for anything that we've done that was bad, but surely because we are children. He is our Father, nothing less and nothing more. And God, would you begin to just prepare our hearts for this, this month? God, would you prepare our hearts to be broken for the things that break yours? But God, more than anything else, before we talk about orphan care, before we talk about foreign missions, before we talk about human trafficking, domestic violence, before we talk about poverty, would we realize that at the heart of everything, your greatest heart cry to have a restored relationship with your children. God may we be restored to you, may we sit with you. may we understand how deeply your heart is for us. It's in Jesus name, I pray. Amen.